Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is the Scott Score Podcast. On today's show, I am joined by BT Sport commentator Rory Hamilton. We discuss what it's like to be a commentator, how much preparation is required before games, what was it like to commentate on a European final, advice for aspiring commentators, and Scotland's chances of making the Euros again. All this and so much more. Enjoy the interview. So Rory, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. No, it's good to good to be on. Thanks for, for having me, Scott. So we'll just dive right into it, Rory. So at what age did you realise that you wanted to become a commentator? Oh, I mean, it, it would be it would be quite late on. I mean, I, I was uh, I was already in the industry. I worked for STV um, on Scott Sport, and it was probably probably during then. I think because I think beforehand it wasn't really something that I probably realised was even a job. You know, you you watched football on the TV, uh, and and you admired these guys, of course. Uh, but but I don't think I really realised it was it was something that you could you could go after, and I quite um, I quite quickly realised that um, it would be very important for me to be in an industry that I was passionate about because at the end of the day you're you're working for well in general five days a week you know it, it might as well be something that you're you're passionate about and that that just keeps your interest going all the time. If you're not going to be good enough to play, then uh, then you know it's up there with the next sort of best thing. So I think I did my first commentary. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but yeah, it would have been at STV in probably the kind of mid two thousands, maybe like two thousand and six, something like that. Uh, but that was just like a a practice uh, at Easter Road. I think they played Falkirk, um, and Archie McPherson was doing the the real commentary that was going to go out on air, but uh, but they just they gave me a microphone just as a, as a kind of like little test to see what you can do. Yeah. So so you see when you're growing up, obviously you're, you're a sports fan. But what kind of sports did you play mostly? I played everything. Um, like and honestly, anything that there was an opportunity to be out and chasing a ball or running about, uh, I did it all. I mean, I was mainly, of course, football um, from like probably about the age of eight started playing like competitive youth football I guess if you like um then all all through school school was more of a rugby playing school they had a football team as well so I, I turned out for them but we didn't have very many games um so yeah it was usually usually Sunday was football Saturday was rugby um but yeah I, I mean I I played everything cricket athletics um Kind of, kind of anything that that was thrown at you, um, I would, I would give it a good shot. Tennis, yeah, all, all those. Golf, I, I love my golf. Still, still play that today. So, yeah. Would you say football was your specialty then, growing up? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, it was probably, it was probably the, it, it was the one that I was most drawn to, uh, enjoyed the most, and you know, probably had the had the sort of best shot at at, at getting anywhere in it. Yeah, what kind of position did you play? So yeah, I used to play as a centre forward. Um, and just in that classic, you know, you, you kind of look back on it now, and I I don't think it's it's the case anymore. But you know, when I was growing up, so this was this would have been like yeah, sort of early to mid nineties, and you've got you know eight year olds playing on a almost full size pitch with full size goals. So we we had three of us that we played a front three. I was the middle of the three. We had two others either side, and we were we were like the fastest guys in the 
in the area. So they just used to lump the ball over the top. We would race for the ball, and then you'd you'd love the goalie, and you, you'd score like sixty goals a season doing just that. And and I guess it, it doesn't really. I don't think it really helps for for garnering technique or anything like that. But it it was good fun. So you mentioned obviously working for a uh, Scott Sport and uh, STV. Would you say those those two companies were your when you got your first big break? Yeah, yeah, that was the first chance. I was I was at university uh, in Edinburgh, and I used to come through on a Sunday uh, and just put uh, put the the post match interviews up on their website. Um, so I think once you took into account the the train fare for getting through and and all that kind of thing, I, did, I didn't really come away with much in my pocket. But uh, it it was just a, it was a, a good in in the industry, and I think after doing that, I'm trying to remember how long I did it for. It maybe was a, it might have even been two years. Um, and 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 they they sort of was coming to the end of the season. I was coming to the end at university, and they they offered me a, a full time job. So. You know, it, it was one of those, um, you know, right place at the right time, but also just making the most of of any opportunity. I do say it to to a lot of people. You know, if 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 you get offered something, uh, then take it, even if even if you look at it and maybe the finances don't look right, or that um, it might be in a sport that you're you're maybe not into, or an area of of the industry that you're maybe not wanting to go down. But it puts you there and and people then start to develop a trust in you and realise where where your skills might be able to help them out. Um, is there any commentators in particular that you look up to? Uh, I mean, I mean, certainly you know, growing up, and we, we touched on a bit of that, and um, you know, somebody like Bill McLaren, for me, um, is, is just a, it was, it was an incredible commentator. Uh, certainly not one that I would ever try to emulate because he's, he's got a, a whole other level of um, uh, of vocabulary and a steer in the English language that uh, I was not good enough at higher English to be able to grasp. Um, so, you know, he's probably the one growing up watching Six Nations games and things like that that I, I would I would probably say. I mentioned Archie McPherson um, before as well. So he was probably the one that, I worked closest with once I got into the industry. Um, one of the first uh, phone calls and bits of advice that I got was was from uh, Martin Tyler when I was working at Sky. Lucky enough to get his number, and he, he, you know, he was he was so friendly, so polite, accommodating, just wanting to to give me advice, um, which was fantastic. And one of the bits of advice he said he he told me was. Um, was first of all not to take on too much advice, um, which is a, a great ironic piece of advice. Um, but also, uh, you know, not 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 to try to copy people because if if you try to be, you know, at the time the, the guys that that had the opportunities that I'm listening to, and and trying to learn from, it'd be be it Martin himself, um, Bill. Uh, Ian Crocker as well. He's always been he's been really great to me throughout. Um, Derek Ray, uh, you know these guys. If you if you try and be them, then or you'll fail because because they're the best at being them. You, so what I think Martin was saying to me was, go out and and make your own style. And and I think he, I think he's absolutely spot on with that. You have to be your own 
person. There, as much as you are delivering facts a lot of the time, you can still allow a, a little bit of your character to come through. So, um, yeah, I think that that's probably the, the most important piece of advice I've ever had. Yeah, because I think it becomes clear to the viewers that, that if you copy someone, but okay, he's just, that's not him. He's trying to be someone else, you know? So I think that was a great bit of advice where you just like be yourself. Don't try to emulate others. So um, see, how long did it take you to really feel comfortable commentating on a regular basis? Because obviously, obviously I can imagine when you first started doing it, the nerves were there. But would you say now you're like totally at ease if it don't get nervous at all? I, I, I don't know if I ever got particularly nervous, which is strange because when I played, you know, on the bus to games or in the car, I was all I was like a nervous wreck. I was almost hoping like, oh, the bus will break down so that so that I don't need to play. I'd like almost feel sick with nerves, and I don't I don't feel that um, commentating. I think having been in the industry for a for a long long time helps because I you know I was in production um, trucks beforehand. I know I mean those can be quite nerve wracking places, or you're putting out replays and think all the all the buttons on your desk are live and you press the wrong one then you can you can ruin what is going out on TV. And so I guess it's just another another facet of the broadcast is is commentating. Um so I would say maybe it does take a little bit of time just to get rid of those nerves, you know, once you hear, you know, your live or Q Rory or whatever it is, Q commentator. Um it probably does take a little bit of time to get used to, but I, I would say it's excitement more than anything else. I, I I get driven by the noise of crowds and atmospheres. Uh, like that's what I love. I, I mean, I, I I could sit there not working and be as enthralled as as you are, you know, when when you're having to put your voice to it. So, you know, those are the those are the sort of times when I I get really excited if you're doing big games. Uh, I, I don't tend to, I wouldn't say I get nervous. And so obviously you work for BT Sport and Premier Sport. Do, obviously you do the football there. Do you cover any other uh, type of sports? Like, so I know obviously you're big on your rugby, but do you commentate in any rugby games as well? Yeah, yeah. I did um, I did two rugby games just there uh, this weekend. So Glasgow were away to Benetton in Italy and Edinburgh did from... Uh, just outside, well, it's, the, it's called the Dam Hill Stadium. It's just next to to Murrayfield, uh, so Edinburgh fared slightly better than uh, than Glasgow, I must say. But uh, I, I quite like having that mix of doing the two different sports. Uh, just I think it it allows you each time. So so I'd done um, I'd done Rangers Napoli in the Champions League on the Wednesday, and then on the Thursday you're starting to prepare for it was the first game of the the new rugby season. So you, it, it just allows you to to freshen things up, to think about different things, to watch um, different different games, to listen to different commentators. Uh, I mean, talking about um, you know legendary commentators, and Eddie Butler just he just passed away last week. So I mean he he was a, a colleague at, at Premier Sports, and you know really really sad to to have lost him as well. So how much uh, preparation goes into commentating before a game? Quite. I do quite a lot. You, I mean, you've actually you've caught me the night before uh, Scotland play Ukraine, and I'm I'm doing my my stats work at the moment. Uh, I I do quite a lot. Um, I would say probably I probably spend about a, a full day 
um, getting everything that I want onto paper. Uh, and then, so that's kind of today's job. And then tomorrow, it's an evening kickoff. Then I probably am just just getting, maybe reading articles, watching YouTube videos uh, or, or full games, previous games, and also just maybe scripting the, the top of the game when the teams are coming out, um, just to get my words for that and how how I what I feel the main points of of the game are. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's probably it's probably a kind of two two day kind of thing for for a big game like that. Uh, but to be honest, it, it's just an ongoing because 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 I'm interested in the industry. The first. I mean, the websites that I'm checking every morning are, are football related. All my Twitter feed is football and rugby news. So it's it's just it's constantly ongoing without you maybe sitting down and purposefully preparing for a for a game. And so I need to ask you this one, Rory. Um, what was it like to commentate on the night Rangers made the Europa League final? And what was it also like to commentate on a European final? I mean, that was just, it was an incredible evening. That uh, The whole journey, I think, last season was something that I I thought that those days wouldn't come again for a Scottish team. If you look at how European finals are dominated now, it's teams from the big five, I, I say big five leagues, it's not even really, it, it, it's teams from England and Spain <laughs> that get the finals in, in general. So to get a Scottish team there was brilliant. Um, to commentate, I mean, I, I probably didn't think that I would I would therefore get that opportunity to to commentate on a, a Europa League final. Um, it was an amazing night. Uh, it was it was so so harsh on Rangers not to pick it up. It's horrible to lose on penalties. Um, and it, you know, I've. I think I think all Rangers fans will think back to that Ryan Kent chance, which was which was saved. Um, which just, I mean, it, you miss hit that one and it goes in. Those are just the uh, the sort of fine margins um, on a on a night like that. But it, it was great to be a part of. Uh, it it felt like it had the whole gravitas of what you would expect from a a European final. So to to be a part of that and to less so to have your voice on it, but it, it's a nice thing for me um, that I can look back on later on in my career. I can say, I, like, Rory, I'm a Rangers fan, so see your commentary after the Leipzig game, I've lost count how many times I've watched it. It's absolutely outstanding. <laughs> I think um, I think those games, Ibrox, and that Leipzig game in particular was... I talk about atmospheres and how much I enjoy listening to different atmospheres around Europe. That's why I always I love going to the to the games rather than maybe doing it looking at a TV screen, being in a stadium and hearing what a crowd in Govan compares to one in Kiev or you know anywhere in the world. They all have different. They make different noises, and Ibrox that night was um, there were. Noises and it was an atmosphere that I'd never heard before. It went, it went to another level. Certainly not that I'd, I'd heard. I don't think in Scotland it, it was, it was amazing. And uh, you know, the director uh, Grant Phillips had had his back cam, the wire cam, going all the way. And I keyed through to him. I said, "What is that? <laughs> I've never seen that before. What is it?" 
So uh, yeah, no, nah, there, there was there were some really special nights last season. And so obviously your your famous line after the game, you're like, uh, "Pat your bags, Rangers fans, use it off to sunny Spain." I think it was something along those lines. See, when it comes to these big moments, um, I think Peter Drury said this ages ago, where sometimes he would maybe script out a line for an expected result that's going to happen. See, on that night, did you script anything out, or was it all just going off how you felt on the occasion? I th- I always try to uh, prepare for any eventualities. And it's not necessarily to then script a line down, but quite often, you know, the night before, as I'm lying in bed or, or whatever, you're thinking of you know, what, what, what if, what if uh, John Lundstrom scores in the last minute to take Rangers to the Europa League final? What if it goes to extra time? And, and you, I think, I think you're better to be prepared in your own mind for, for what these moments might bring um, rather than them happening and you going, oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd prepared myself for for that moment. I think it's better to, to think, and it can be anything, and, and 99% of the things that you, or the scenarios that you think of, they, they don't come to fruition. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's good to prepare yourself as much as you possibly can. And you know, for a game like that, so, or, or if you take the final, it's probably a, a more uh, obvious one because you know that, one of them, one of them wins, and they win the cup, and the other one loses. So, I think it's always important to have little bits uh, prepared for. Certainly, at the trophy lift, I would always have something written. Uh, sometimes I might not do it until half time in the game, and you can feel how things are going. Uh, but I'll maybe write a couple of lines that then, when it comes to the actual delivery of a of the trophy, uh, that you can you can get a few. Nice, nice words in, uh, and and quite a lot of the time, these things uh, develop during the game. You know, I, I might think of something, and then you go, "Ah, oh, no, that's wrong." And then I might just scribble something down, and you think, oh, "Do you know what? If if that happens, then then I've already got my mind sort of going in the right direction." It's probably not as complicated as that. Sometimes you just say what say what comes out your mouth. Yeah, and obviously we were talking. You mentioned earlier on there about commentate in front of a screen and I can imagine you had to do a lot of that during the pandemic when it was locked down no fans at games so what was it like when you had to commentate like with no fans inside the stadium a, a, a lot of those I mean most of those we were at the stadiums because because we were still allowed to travel um I honestly hated it it's it's so so difficult to do the games didn't feel like they they had passion in them uh, the players aren't being driven by the crowds and the other the other aspect that that you hadn't even considered is because you know because usually there's thousands of people making noise nobody can hear you everyone can hear you when when you're commentating on a game and, and I think I, you had to I think probably the first few games that I did I because there was no crowd I wasn't excited enough and then so you have to you have to kind of generate your own excitement and probably went too far. And it took time to actually feel what the right level was. But I, I, I was aware on a few games when, um, you know, you'd finish commentating, you'd go over and you'd see some of your colleagues over the other side, or you'd speak to a manager or a player. And they were like, oh, thanks. We got that. We got that running commentary throughout the game. And you're like, yeah, so like all the players that are running about, all the managers who are 
you know a pitch away from you they can all hear what you're saying which is quite a, that's when you start feeling a little bit self-conscious about what you're saying yeah and I, I need to ask you this one Rory um what's it like working with uh, Ali McCoyst Ali's brilliant I mean he's all the guys that we work with are are top class but um Ali is uh he's another level and he's he's as he's as genuine and as nice as what comes across and as funny as what comes across on TV. He doesn't just switch it on for that. He is um, he is genuinely uh, <laughs> just an absolute gem of a guy. Remember uh, one time coming back from Pataudry and and I think he would, I think he maybe got the train up or something and he was looking for a lift and I had space in the car and I was like oh I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could spend three hours in the car. Like, I just feel under pressure to entertain Ali McCoy's. But you know, I offered, and, and then Ali sat with me. And we just, you know, we just had great chat all the way down, found out things that I never knew about him at all. And, you know, it was, uh, um, you know it's, uh, just he's a great guy to, to be around. So, um, Rory, I'll ask you this one as well. What advice would you give to people who are aspiring to get involved in broadcasting? Well, I go back to the the first like the first answer that I gave you, and is if if you have an opportunity, even if it's not the ideal um, conditions, be that financial or uh, in 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 the field that you might not want to to be in, take it. Say yes to all those opportunities. Um, you know, I I was in production for a long, long time, and I did. I did boxing, I did touring cars, I did Aussie Rugby League, not as a commentator, but um, uh, as a, a, an assistant producer. And it just, it allows people to, to grow trust in you. And then if you're in the right place, when an opportunity comes up, then if you've spent six months, a year, two years proving yourself somewhere else, then you're in a better position than somebody else that's coming in. Um, so that's that's always what I think. Yeah, we'll say just yes. To, oh, oh, sorry, to not, Rory. Yeah, so just say yes to everything. <laughs> say, say yes to to any opportunities that that come your way. All right. So just to finish off, uh, just a wee bit of Scotland chat. I know you're a big Scotland fan, Rory. Very passionate. Um, what do you think our chances are of making the Euros again? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, they're probably fifty fifty. I would say we've we've got work to do in in this group for the Nations League, um, and I, you would you would say Ukraine are, are the favourites to take the group, but it only it only takes one result to turn that around. I think if um, I think Scotland need to win the two games, two home games um, against Ukraine and Republic of Ireland, and if that means then going to Ukraine to get a draw, you know that becomes that becomes a huge night. Um, so. You, you'd, you'd probably put Ukraine slightly slightly ahead of them at the moment, and particularly given what happened in June. Um, but we're in with a chance. We're in with a chance, and you know that if we win the group, then that could lead to promotion into League A, which almost sounds ridiculous. But you know the the, the big ones are going to come in the qualifiers uh, when they start. I think in in March. Um, so that's that's the real route in. This obviously Nations League might give us a, a better opportunity if if we win it, uh, and also gives us a fallback as well for a playoff. So, um, I, I would I would look at 
50, 50, 50. Maybe, maybe slightly favouring that going into the, the qualifiers because it's top two that get out of that. These are tournaments that Scotland should be qualifying for. You know, it's 24 European teams. If we If we can't get there on that, then we're really not doing something right. We should be at these these tournaments. Yeah, like obviously it was great making the Euros last year, but I was just bitterly disappointed in how we, how we performed because obviously it was the first tournament in about 21, 22 years. It was my first tournament uh, experience as a Scotland fan because I'm 25, so when Scotland last made a major tournament, I was one, you know, so I was really excited about how we could do and just to get one point out of the three games, finishing rock bottom, it was, it was very disheartening, so it was. Yeah, I think um, I think the, the the Czech Republic game kind of set the tone early on, to, and we actually played all right in that game. We we were a wee bit unlucky. Yeah, we had we had really good chances, and maybe on another day that that works out better. Um, played really well against England, and and then the last game, you know, we came up against Luka Modric, who was in Ballon d'Or winning form. I mean. What an absolute magician. I've I've commentated twice on him and he's been head and shoulders above everyone in the park, having done Celtic Real Madrid a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it was the same. He's got a thing about playing in Glasgow. It suits yeah. him. Uh, and he's just, just an absolute magician with a football. He, he, brilliant to watch. Yeah, and then finally, I'll just ask you one more question. Um, how do you see Rangers and Celtic fairing in Europe this year? Obviously, Rangers had a tough start. And they're in a tough group. Celtic have got a more favourable group where they've probably got a better chance of making the last 16, but hopefully it'll be another European run for yourself, obviously, and, uh, like to commentate on. But how do you see both old firm doing? Yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of called it there. Rangers Rangers group is, is really tough. I think, I think any points that they pick up in there is a bonus. And you've also, you've already got the other three are all off the mark. So it's it's Rangers that are the ones that are, are sort of left behind a little bit. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky to pass anyone. I I think whatever they can get is a bonus. Um and if they if they can compete for third, which you know, you're looking at it and pr- the most likely is probably Ajax to to try and catch, but you saw what Ajax did to Rangers on match day one. I mean they were they were they were really good quality. Celtic have got a really good chance. I think they've got to hope that Real Madrid beat everyone and they take 18 points and then it becomes a, you know, a, a, a mini league of three between themselves, Leipzig and, and Shakhtar. They've taken a point away to Shakhtar when they really should have taken three. So I think you know, they might look as that, that as a, not, a missed opportunity, but at the same time, you've, you've taken points from a team away from home, which in a mini league is not bad. Fixtures haven't been particularly kind to them, but if they can pick up something in Leipzig, match day three, they've got they've got a really good chance because I think that they should probably beat both of them at Celtic Park. So, you know, that would put them on eight points, and then it just comes down to what everyone else picks up in in their games. Eight points can get you through; it would certainly get you third. So, I think Celtic have got a good chance of of knockout football um, after Christmas. Rangers will it'll be a lot harder. Fourth looks more likely for them, but, you know, you never know. Those, those... Thank you very much to Rory for coming on the show. In my opinion, he is the best commentator in Scottish football right now, and it was an absolute pleasure to finally speak to him. 
If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they are available on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.